and welcome to the Unfuck Your Biz podcast, a show for creatives to encourage and inspire through actionable legal, tax, money, and business topics. I'm Braden Drake, an author, lawyer, tax pro, and educator. If you are ready to get your legal and tax shit legit, you are in the right place. But before we fully dive in, here is a quick word from my sponsors. This episode is brought to you by my free training, The Three Legal and Tax Mistakes Made by New and Experienced Business Owners and How You Can Avoid Them. Here's the thing. There's a few key things we've all got to do to make sure we unfuck our biz. I've seen all the mistakes and I know how to help you get past them. So here's what I want you to do. Go to www.unfuckyourbiz.com, sign up for the free training, watch it, and do at least one of the homework assignments I share in the masterclass. Promise? Okay, now let's dive into the episode. Hello and welcome to episode 49 of the Unfuck Your Biz podcast. As always, this is your host, Brayden, and today I am joined by Emily Ryder. How are you, Emily? I'm good. How are you doing, Brayden? I'm great. Thank you. Did I pronounce your last name right? You sure did. Yeah, okay. that is correct. <laughs> cool. You like literally told it to me two minutes ago. But no, it's I- totally fine. I even thought about re-saying it because most people don't don't remember and that's not a problem. <laughs> yeah, I should just start writing everything phonetically. So um, the we Emily and I were just chatting about before we hit the record button that I did not know Emily's last name, which was embarrassing. She is a student of mine, obviously. <laughs> but that is because Emily's business name is Anna Dolores Photography. Um, yep. So Anna Dolores, you said she's a relative. Was that your grandma or your aunt? Yeah. So Anna is my mom's grandmother and Dolores is my dad's mother. So it's actually two grandmother's names put together. So she's not even a real person. It's like, it's almost like my alter ego kind of a thing. <laughs> oh, cute. Okay. So what inspired yeah. you choosing that name for your business? Um, just that, uh, you know, I going into wedding photography, obviously family um, is so important and such an important part of weddings. And so I honestly just didn't like the name, the sound of Emily Ryder photography, And so I thought it would be kind of fun to do something different. And I thought, well, what, you know, what's significant to me, what would maybe make sense for weddings. And I just thought of something like using a piece of my own heritage as this homage to the significance that family plays in a wedding day. So love it. So do you have, do you have like copy about their weddings (laughs) on your website? I should have copy about their weddings. I have copy about like who they are. Um, but I should totally have copy about their weddings. I actually never met either of them. They both passed away before I was born, which is actually sort of part of it too, without getting too into the weeds on it. But, <laughs> but, uh, but it was important to me to kind of, um, uh, recognize that they had a big role in bringing my parents up. Um, my mom's grandmother basically raised her. And then my dad's mom was a single mom from when he was the age of three. Um, his dad passed away. Anyway, so they really shaped the people that my parents are. And my parents are amazing parents. And so anyway, so um, yeah. Well, that's probably a, yeah, that's probably like a great way to honor your parents as well, because I'm sure exactly. they probably like they probably love your business name. Well, there have been a couple times where I'm like, oh, it's just, I get called Anna all the time. It's confusing for people. I don't mind it, but maybe I should just change it to Emily Ryder Photography to make it easier on other people. And my parents were like, no, we love your business name. Don't change it. So yeah. So I mean, you can always have your, you can always have your name like in the, like in the sub, sub, 
heading or whatever. Yeah. Well, and I will say that it's actually kind of, it's, it's actually served me pretty well for it to not be my business name because I do have a team of associate photographers now. And, um, I mean, I actually have for a few years now, but the more, um, my team grows, I think the better it is that it's not my name because then if I'm, uh, you know, say, well, oh, this, this photographer is available for your date, then it's not like it's not me. You know, we're just all under this. Right. It's one brand. I do get people asking for Anna to photograph their wedding. And I'm like, well, she's a real person. So that's not really going to work out for you. <laughs> Anna's, yeah, Anna's not a photographer. <laughs> but yeah, once I is, explain it, the, you know, then it makes sense to people. It does so. make sense though, because you're scaling your business using yeah. associate photographers. Exactly. And when you're personally, when you're personally known as the figurehead of your business, it's a lot harder to do that because clients right. may have objections to it. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Well, let's talk a little bit more about the beginnings of your business. So obviously you've already shared you're a wedding photographer. How long have you been uh, running your own wedding photography business? So this year is my eighth year in business. Um, so I founded Anna Dolores Photography in 2012. Um, so that was the first year. That was the year I shot my first wedding under Anna Dolores Photography as a brand. Um, so yeah, so that year I was actually working, um, an administrative position at an architecture college and, um, and I had, that was a terrible job at like, it was not interesting at all. It wasn't fun for me. It was, uh, you know, they just, they didn't treat me very well. I, you know, so in the course of my time at that job, I started getting more into photography as a hobby and um, I'd already, I'd always been interested in it. Um, but I, you know, upgraded my camera and just started getting more, uh, into photographing people and objects and anyway. And so I had just spent a lot of time thinking, how can I get an exit strategy with this job and get out of this terrible job that I can't stand? And the first thing that came to me was photography. And I was like, okay, well, fine art photography, you know, without people in it is a really hard thing to make it. Um, just selling prints and that sort of thing. It's a hard thing to make a living. So it's like, how can I monetize this in a way that, that gives me, gives me an out from this job. And I was like, well, people pay a lot of money for weddings. Maybe that's something I could do. And I've always loved weddings as well. So that was just kind of a natural put photography and weddings together. And, um, honestly, I just, I photographed my, my first wedding, like six months later, I actually got fired from my architecture job because, uh, it's not an architecture job. It's an architecture school job. I was an administrator, but anyway, I got fired from that job because I was building my website while I was at work and they didn't like that, obviously. So, Blessing <laughs> in disguise, I'm sure. It was the best thing that could have happened to me because who knows how long I would have stayed there treading water thinking, okay, well, uh, as soon as I get to X, you know, X amount of income with photography, then I can make the transition. But this really forced me into a decision like, okay, it's now or never. Either I look for another job that I'm just kind of half-assing while I build my business, or I just go all in on my business. And that's what I did. I went all in and, and uh, here we are. So. Yeah, I still remember when I started my business, which was just three years ago now, I was working part-time at West Elm, and I did that for like mm -hmm. six months, Yeah, and I wasn't even making very much money there. I mean, it right. didn't pay very well, but still yeah. like the decision to leave that part-time job and 
turn it, like throw down my safety net of like the $300 a month I was making. It's still a safety net. It's still it's something. Still, yeah, and because it's a I mental knew, state too, right? Right. Like, I knew like, if I don't get a single client this month, I at least have enough money to like buy groceries and pay for gas. Like exactly. that's kind of the minimum. So, right. but when you, right. you know, when you go all in on your business, that's usually the turning point for most people. Cause that's exactly. when I started like actually networking in the evenings and then I got clients. Right. Right. Because you, you sort of, you have to, you, you have to right. do something. So you don't, there's nothing else going on. So <laughs> no other options. Okay. Right. So let's talk a little bit about, we fast forward eight years, your business, mm -hmm. it sounds like to me is booming pretty well because you had to bring on some associate photographers. How many weddings were you shooting like before you decided? Well, we'll, we'll kind of, I'll jump forward. How many weddings sure. were you shooting before you needed to bring on your associates as employees? So the year that I hired my first associate photographer, um, and I shouldn't say hired, I should say uh, contracted because I was doing independent contractors. Bingo, there you <laughs> um, go, yeah. But the first associate photographer I started working with um, was uh, a couple years into the business. I was shooting, I think I photographed 50 weddings that year by myself, which was, yeah, the, it was, it was nuts. It was too many. I was really burnt out. And, um, and to be honest, I got really lucky with the, with the associate that I started working with at the time, because she was a really, really good fit for me at the time. And I just jumped into it because I had to because I knew that shooting 50 weddings a year by myself was not sustainable. Um, and so I'm, I'm really lucky that she was a good fit because if she hadn't been, I really put all my eggs in one basket with working with her. And so, um, but it worked out really, really well. And she, uh, she, uh, she and I worked together for about four years. And, um, and then in that time period, I started to bring on more associate photographers. Right now I have three um, associate photographers who I have now hired as employees. Um, because of our great new California employment laws. <laughs> no, we're not, we're not going to get too into the weeds on no, that. No, and that's totally fine. But no, I, so they are, they are my employees now, which is actually really awesome. I am excited about it. Um, you know, it was a big move to go from contractors to employees, but, uh, but it is to me a sign of a growing business and it, and it is a model that I want to keep working towards. I want to be in a place where I'm eventually only shooting maybe 10 weddings a year by myself. Um, and then the rest of the weddings done by the Anna Dolores photography brand are photographed by associate photographers. Right now I'm doing about 20 myself. Um, so in the next, uh, you know, three to five years, hopefully I'll get down to eight to 10 myself. And then, okay. I can... So I want to take a quick time out and yeah. back. Can you share with us what kind of marketing superpower did you have to book 50 weddings and like your second 30 year business? That is a great question. I mean, part of it was when I got started and I, you know, I've talked, uh, talking to a lot of photographer friends, this is, you know, what a lot of us do in the beginning is you just take anything and everything that comes at you. And I was not shy about giving discounts to people who I wanted to work with, um, which in the last couple of years has been a, been a big shift for me, a big mind shift, because again, uh, in the beginning, that was how I was booking a lot of clients was meeting them where they needed me to be in terms of budget. Um, so I had my pricing structure, but then people would come to me and they're like, well, this is my budget. Can we make it work? And I'd chat with them and I'd be like, you know, yeah, I do want to make this work with you. Let's do it. So I was really focused on just booking up my calendar. Um, and less focused on what each individual package price was getting me. So honestly, I was probably 
making less than I'm making now shooting fewer weddings um, because I was just booking any and all price point. Um, and is that because now you just you just stick to your guns more as to what your price is? Or I you do. just have a, you have a better idea of like what your margins are and what you need to be charging for certain services? Uh, both of those things. Definitely in the beginning, I had no idea what my profit margin was. I was being very arbitrary with what I was charging because in the beginning, I just charged what I thought people would pay. And in the beginning, that was very low. I think I photographed my first wedding for $1,000. Um, and... Uh, and now my, you know, my average package sale is more like $6,000. So, um, which, you know, obviously is, is a big jump, but, uh, but I am much better about putting my foot down and saying no to clients that I, A, don't feel like are a good fit and B, aren't a good fit for me in terms of budget and profit margins and so on. Because so regarding, I, regarding the package price, you're in up in Ventura County. So for people yes. outside of California, can you share with them like a 6,000 average? Is it high? Like what's it comparable towards? I would say it's like average, like high end average. Um, I think that there are a lot of photographers in this area and in Los Angeles and even in the Santa Barbara area, which is where I work out of most commonly, to be honest. Um, there aren't a ton of venues in Ventura County. There are, there are some, um, but again, I think price point wise, I'm a better fit for Santa Barbara venues because a lot of people are coming and having destination weddings in Santa Barbara and so on. But I would say the, um, the more average um, price point that people are expecting to spend in this, in this area and in Southern California overall is more like three to $4,000, um, maybe up to 5,000. But I've also talked to, you know, I know that there are also higher end photographers in this area who are charging between 10 and $20,000. So like the photographer I wanted to book for my wedding, uh, starts <laughs> at 17,000 and, you know, and I couldn't afford that. Um, yeah, <laughs> I value it. I, I think she's totally worth it. She's super talented. Uh, it wasn't in my budget, unfortunately. Um, anyway, but, uh, so there are definitely outliers to that and it's obviously the company you keep. So, um, a lot of my, my colleagues and friends and people that I work with a lot are in that range, I think in the, you know, between six and $10,000 range. But, um, but I think I would say the average is closer to between three and 4,000 overall. Yeah. That sounds about right. I think yeah. most of the newer, the newer wedding photographers I work with are between like 2,500 and 4,000, I would say. Mm -hmm. And that's and where I was for, for a few years too. So again, that, you know, that, that price increase has come in maybe the last three years. And again, I was able to do that also because I added associate photographers to my team. So my associate package prices still start between 2,500 yeah. and 4,000. So I can still take advantage of that market segment, um, you know, without, uh, without working 50 weddings myself. <laughs> I actually, well, this will probably come as no surprise to you, Emily, but I love talking pricing. We talk a lot yeah. about, <laughs> but I always, whenever I talk to wedding photographers, I always try mm -hmm. to encourage them to try different pricing structures like search, totally. right? I say you can like look at the Uber business model, charge surge pricing for popular weekends, it's supply and demand, right? So if you're getting right. you're getting 40 inquiries for 10, 10, 20 for whatever reason, like apparently yep. that's a thing. Then oh, it's absolutely. I've turned away so many. What we are, our studio is fully booked for that date. All four of us are booked for that date, um, and I definitely booked it too far in advance without without asking for a premium. Yeah, like uh, <laughs> so there is that. Yeah, raise your rate by 30 percent, and I think right. if the client if the client asks why, just say we're getting 40 inquiries for that, that date. And so it's heavily in demand. Like, do you right. really, like, if you want it, you should expect to pay more. Right. 
I will say that I have, um, I actually just created a new um, package uh, PDF that is all of my pricing, but a thousand dollars more for each of the packages that I offer. So that if I get an inquiry either for a date that I don't really want to work or it's a client that maybe I'm kind of lukewarm on, like, but I don't want to just outright say no to them. I might send them this higher pricing. So then if they do book, at least I'm making extra money on that, on that project that I'm not either maybe not super excited about or whatever. So, um, I'm at least in a position where I can kind of charge more more I should go more than a thousand yeah I'm doing a thumbs, thumbs up yeah Braden's more. thumbs up right now <laughs> I mean why not like to, to I feel like a clean totally. extra two thousand nice little increase All I right, also so. I will I will say too on pricing that I've started doing something because I work with a lot of wedding planners and that was the other part I was going to say about you were asking me like how I was getting all these inquiries and I've built um, I've built a lot of my business on getting inquiries from other vendors um, and uh, and working with wedding planners and so that was where I was getting a lot of a lot of traction as well and so I have something in place now where my loyal wedding planners that I work with are getting a special um, like no increase like they're getting my 2020 pricing for 2021 clients because I want to work with wedding planners. Um, those are always my best clients. Um, you know, I always have the best time at weddings with the wedding planners that I work with and trust. And so I'm increasing my pricing for 2021, but I already emailed my favorite planners and I'm like, you guys don't have an increase. And so it's kind of like a, you know, a nice little incentive for them to keep working with me and let them know that they're getting that benefit um, of our relationship and so on. So anyway. Yeah, you so gotta be exploring and playing friend. with some things. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about you work with your, you said you got your first associate after two years. Fast mm -hmm. forward five and a half, six years later, you have yep. a few associates. Mm -hmm. What made you decide after seven, eight years in business that now was the time to join a program like Unfuck Your Biz? Oh my gosh. Well, I'm embarrassed to admit that after seven years in business, there were a lot of things about my business that I still didn't have a complete grasp on. And, um, and even though I am a little embarrassed to say that, I also know that a lot of my peers are in a similar position. So at least I know I'm not alone. But uh, there were a lot of elements that I didn't realize I didn't know as well as I should have. And again, with you know hiring new employees and that sort of a thing, I originally came to you, Brayden, to form um, my LLC. I was a sole proprietor for the last seven years. And so I was like, okay, it's time to move into LLC territory and form that and protect myself a little bit. Um, again, I'm getting married. So my fiance was like, what does sole proprietor mean for me and my assets? So <laughs> uh, it was just a good time for LLC to happen. <laughs> and, um, and so, uh, yeah, so that was originally what I came to Braden for. And, um, and, you know, Braden was like, listen, I do this program. It has a lot more stuff in it. And when he was telling me about all of the benefits of the Unfuck Your Biz program in, in our phone call, and I've told you this already, Braden, that I was like, I don't need that. I already have my contracts. I'm good. I have, you know, I have an accountant. They take care of my taxes. I know about sales tax. I'm fine. I don't need all of this. I really just need you to help me with my LLC and maybe with my S Corp, like a little bit of guidance with the S Corp, you know, um, tax. Yeah, you guys, Emily, oh, like I did not think Emily was going to join. She did. <laughs> I mean, I think I was pretty, pretty chill about it on the phone, but I was like, okay, but I don't, but that's really all I need. I mean, I just remember saying, okay, I'll do it, but you're, but this is what I'm going to get out of it, right? Like, I really need this LLC help. And you're like, yeah, we'll do that. But there's lots of other stuff too that you'll get. And I'm like, okay, cool. I don't really need it, but fine. Um, <laughs> and, uh, 
and honestly, I'm so, so glad that I did. Um, and you know, I would say the biggest thing I got out of it, aside from yes, getting to form my LLC, Braden was amazing about really handholding us all through the formation of the LLC, which I was really, really grateful for and appreciative of because I think any other attorney would have charged an arm and a leg for something that ended up being really, really easy <laughs> um, with Braden's guidance. So I appreciate that. Um, but the uh, the whole cash flow management system was huge. And I was already um, exploring that a little bit, um, but being able to see it in practical terms and seeing how Braden implemented it in his business and recommended it for our own businesses was really, really huge. So getting that, getting to that next step of the cash flow management system has put me in a position where I know exactly how much I'm making on each client, where each payment from each client is going in terms of operating expenses, profit, taxes. Um, I have a really big payroll account now because I have employees and, and I'm an escort, so I have to pay myself. And so there's all this new territory that even after being in business for eight years, I had no experience with. And so being part of the Unfuck Your Biz course put me in a position for success with all of those elements. Love it. So let's just say, okay, let's, let's give like a concrete example. So I think this is really fun. How much are you raising your package rates by in 2021? Um, I'm raising them by, oh my gosh, I'm trying to remember off the top of my head. I think I'm just raising them, um, $500 across the board. Okay. Which... So $500 across the board for each package. Mm -hmm. And then let's assume, well, well, let's just keep it there. So $500, sure. um, what's your profit allocation? Um, my profit allocate, Ooh, percentages. I should have had this open. <laughs> yeah, I'm on the spot. Oh gosh. Okay. No, I'm so happy I have this document open. So my profit allocation for this quarter is 5%. Um, I'm hoping to move to 8% by uh, the fourth quarter of this year. So, okay. Love it. So by yeah. 2021, you'll be at 8%. Yes. So 8% of $500 is 40 bucks. So basically every additional client or basically every client you book in 2021 like you know by looking at your numbers that you're getting an extra forty dollars and essentially bonus pay to yep. yourself mm -hmm. including which is really important including all of the work that you book under your associate photographers exactly yes and that and that price increase is the same for them as well so if we're booking between 40 and 50 weddings a year that's that's not too bad <laughs> in addition to the profit that I'm already setting aside from, from the packages we're charging for now. So love it. Yeah, yeah. Because then that's when you can really dig into the fine details of like 50 extra weddings at that amount of money is probably an extra like two grand a year. Mm -hmm. So you could add that to your IRA. You could put it in a vacation fund, lots exactly. of fun. Stuff. And you yeah. already have those numbers figured out. Okay. Yep. So let's kind of circle back. You shared that you mostly joined because you really just wanted to form your LLC. Um, yeah. You got that done in the course, right? Did yes. you come? Did you come to the virtual LLC party? Yes, I did. Okay. That so, was my main thing. I was like, I have to come to the virtual LLC party. This is what I signed up for. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I. It's funny. I'm. I'm almost hesitant to share this on the podcast. I'm going. To, <laughs> that's just how I operate. Yeah. But I'm almost always nervous to do that party because I'm always afraid. Like, we're gonna do this LLC party. Everyone probably thinks it's gonna be like three hours, and it's gonna be like very, very intense. And literally we get on, everyone goes through the process 
and then you have your LLC form within like 20 minutes. And then I'm always like, are people even gonna, even gonna, are they gonna be wondering like why they even paid for this after they figure out why it's so easy? I mean, no, because the thing is, is that it's easy, but again, I mean, it was, it was, the process was simple, but we still had so many questions for you while we were doing it. Like, which, you know, it, it's all still in legalese. Like, we still don't know what half of these questions are. So we still have to ask you, and then you're able to just break it down and say, oh, this is what this question is. And we're like, oh, okay, well, now I know what to pick. And so it's, it's still, it's easy because you're there with us, I think. <laughs> so yeah. it didn't, it didn't, it's just very intimidating to fill out legal forms like that when you're a creative business owner, that that's not why we got into this. We didn't get into it to, you know, learn about taxes and form, you know, different legal entities and things like that. But those things are really, really important to protecting ourselves and our business and our, and our assets and our profits and our clients and all the things. So, um, you know, so we do have to learn about them and, and to be able to work with someone who doesn't just do it for you and charge you an arm and a leg for it, but is someone who will educate you while it's happening so that you feel empowered to do it yourself, which for me was really, really huge. Cause I was ready to just give you all my money and have you do it for me. And you were like, no, 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 it's not that hard. Let me show you. It'll be less expensive for you and you'll get more stuff out of it. I was like, well, okay. <laughs> And it was the best. I'm so glad that, that that happened. So if any of you guys are like really savvy business owners listening to this, you might be one like my, like one of my good friends in my business mastermind. And she always gives me a hard time because she's like, Brayden, you're constantly downselling. <laughs> I know. And I've heard you say that on the podcast before. Um, I am a listener of your podcast as well that, you know, you get teased all the time that you don't, uh, but at the same time, I mean, the value that you're providing, I think speaks speaks volumes. And honestly, I mean, I think the flip side of that is if you just charged me for my LLC and, and that would have been it, then I wouldn't be blowing you up on Instagram the way I've been doing. <laughs> Cause I know I've, you know, encouraged a few other uh, colleagues of mine to come and talk to you. I actually photographed a wedding this weekend with two very good friends of mine who are also photographers slash videographers. And we were talking about um, business licenses and some other things. And they're like, oh my gosh, we haven't renewed our business license. And they've been in business longer than I have. And I was like, you guys, this is like a big deal. And you I gotta hop to on it. Them. Yeah, and I was trying to not make them feel bad. But they're like, well, how do you know how to do stuff? And I'm like, well, because Braden told me about this. And that, you know, <laughs> so, so they're like, so wait, what's his name? Like, I'm going to give them your info and they're going to sign up with your next course because they need it, you know? And, and yeah, yeah, okay, awesome. So the next round, I already have three students pre-registered. Awesome. Um, so after they join, that'll be five. So that'll be yeah. great. Yeah. We'll actually love to hear. I got so much positive feedback on the LLC filing party that I actually decided um, for the next round, one third of our weekly sessions are now going to be co-working sessions instead of Q&As. Because yes. what ended up happening was in the last round, we had 20, I think 25 one hour Q&As. And by the time we got to the end, people would show up and it like we would just end up chatting because no one had questions anymore. I was going to say, there were so many times I would come and I didn't actually have questions. And to be fair, there would be questions that would come up while we were all talking. Um, and I would come because I still wanted to hear what people, what other people had questions about so that I could learn yeah. from whatever was happening there. So. so what we're doing this time is module one is now called learn. So I basically teach all of the concepts. So those three weeks are going to be all Q and A's because people always have a ton of questions in the beginning. 
And then after that, we'll have the LLC filing party again. I'll probably do an S-Corp election filing party. And then we'll do some similar stuff um, for co-working with the business licenses, the bank accounts, contracts, and basically all of the to-do tasks in the program. Perfect. Yeah, I think that's awesome. So it'll be fun. Okay, so Emily, you ended up forming your LLC and your S-Corp. Can you share why you ended up doing the S-Corp, like your understanding of what the S-Corp is doing for you? Sure. I basically like to quiz my students live on. (laughs) I know. I'm like, hopefully this is accurate. Uh, So um, I opted for the S-Corp formation, um, the S-Corp tax selection, I should say, because I have also learned the difference between an LLC as an entity and the S-Corp as a tax selection versus an actual entity. Um, so I am an LLC being taxed as an S corp and I decided to do that because I wanted to save some money on my, uh, taxes and, um, and you know, I didn't completely, again, this is something that, that the program really taught me is I didn't really understand that I was paying both income tax and self-employment tax on all of the profits for my business. And so again, I have an accountant and a bookkeeper uh, and a uh, CPA who do all of that for me and are just like, this is what you owe. You know, they do all the numbers. This is what you owe. Great. I pay it. We're done. I didn't really understand where all those numbers were coming from or what they meant or I didn't, I mean, for the first few years I was like, Oh, so I only have to do one return. I thought I, you know, am I the same thing as my business? Like I didn't even, I legitimately didn't know what was going on. I was just giving all my paperwork to these two people and they were taking care of it for me. And I should say that my accountant is my mother. She has an accounting degree, so she, so I trust her. So I know that like they're doing it right. I trust her implicitly, but I didn't understand all of the nuances of what was happening anyway. So I'm glad that I, that I get that now. Um, and then learned that the benefit of the S corp election is that you can, of course, pay yourself a salary and you have to pay both income tax and self-employment tax on that salary. But then the additional profit distributions that you can pay yourself out of your business are then subject only to income tax and not also self-employment tax. So I'm saving myself a percentage of taxes on this extra salary uh, that I, I'm hoping will be right around the $20,000 mark this year. Um, nice. So that yeah, you just so, explained that better than like a lot of bookkeepers. I'm account. so glad. As I was saying it, I was like, I'm hoping getting this right. <laughs> yeah, that makes me happy. Okay, cool. Awesome. So you're now on payroll. Are you using Gusto yes. for your payroll? I sure am. Yep. Nice. Yes. And do you mind sharing what salary you ended up setting for yourself? Not at all. So I ended up setting a salary of $60,900. Very specific. I don't remember why, but if there was some kind of equation I came up with for that. I'm um, assuming the, the $900, I'm assuming it, it's probably because it comes out to like an even divisible amount. Exactly. Like exactly. So yeah. So did that instead of 61,000 for some reason. So, um, so that's my salary. So that's what I'm getting paid every two weeks, um, you know, over the year. And then, um, and then again, the additional profit distributions will hopefully be right around the twenty thousand. Have you already gotten your first salary direct deposit? Yeah, it's weird. Were you surprised <laughs> how much taxes were withheld? Yeah, it's really upsetting to be honest. I <laughs> I actually had a moment, and I think I talked about this with 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 you guys. Um, in the, uh, I either talked with you about it on Voxer, I talked about it in one of our Q and A's, but, um, but I was a little traumatized at first because I thought then that I was paying extra taxes for being on my own payroll. And I was like, well, wait a minute, this doesn't make sense. But then 
my lovely fiance uh, explained to me that no, you're not paying extra. It's just coming out in a different way, essentially. Like instead of paying it when I pay my taxes, it's just coming out of each paycheck. Yeah. It's what normal people, you know, normal job, not business owner people do. And I, I haven't done that for eight years, so I forgot what it was. <laughs> yeah, I've had this conversation now with a few different people who've done their S-Corps in the first couple months of this year. Yeah. And they yeah. always have this like freak out moment when they get their first payroll deposit because they think yeah. it's costing them more. And I'm like, no, no, no. I promise the S-Corp is actually saving you money. It's right. just you're actually having to look at the tax being withheld now. But the exactly. nice thing is, is then you don't have to worry about like the stress of quarterly taxes as much. Exactly. Yes. And I do still have to worry about it a little bit, but, um, but I actually have a really nice, uh, like nest egg in my tax account right now. Um, so I might move around some percentages and I'll put a little bit more into, uh, the payroll account or at least into the profit account or somewhere, because I'm not going to have to take as much out of the tax account as I have previously, because previously that tax account has been for all my taxes. Whereas right. now some of that's coming out of the payroll account. Anyway, it's all, it's all new and very exciting slash complicated. Yeah, the, one, so. the one thing you can do and what I encourage people to do is in your first year of operating your S Corp, your taxes are going to be a little bit unknown. So until you file right. next year in 2021 for 2020, mm. you won't totally know. Right. So you keep the money accumulating there. And then hopefully you'll have a lot more in there that you need. Right. And what you can actually do is before you hit file on your tax return, you can um, take that extra money and make an IRA contribution if you want to. Which is, and no, then, actually probably exactly what I'm going to do because I do have an IRA. I actually have a Roth IRA right now that I need to front, like front load it before we, we nice. get married. Because, yeah, because my, my financial advisor told me once we get married, our joint, our joint income will not qualify for the Roth. So I right. need to put it in there now. Oh, yeah. and, put it in there now. What a lot of exactly. people don't re what a lot of people don't realize is that if you do most your tax return in like February, like let's say this year in February, mm -hmm. and then you end up you look at the tax return and see that you're gonna owe this amount of tax, maybe five thousand, and you have ten thousand in your tax account, you can actually take that extra five thousand and deposit it into an IRA and have it count as last year's contribution. Yeah, yeah. So I that's did, a I good did thing to do. You know that that was thankfully something I did learn from my. Uh, my CPA because every nice. year she's like, can you put some in your retirement account? Cause that'll help. I'm like, okay, well I still don't have like the cash laying around to do that with. I understand it'll yeah. help me on my taxes. So because a lot of people home. will do it before the close of the year, but then right. you might put it in your IRA and you might actually be short on your tax bill. So right. you can either right. do that or just pay it to yourself as like a nice profit distribution. After yeah. Tax. Yeah. Just well, and there have been times too, where I'll use the deferment period. And so we won't actually file my taxes until October. And then, so I'll be making, you know, an IRA contribution over the summer. And they're like, well, that actually counted for last year. It's really confusing sometimes, like the timing of everything. So, yeah. I um, think you actually have to do it by April 15th for it to count for prior year. I think, I think you might be um, right. Yeah. So. It's a little bit nuanced. All right. Well, let's, yeah. let's start to wrap up. Can you share, okay. again, I'm going to put, I'm going to put you on the spot. So, <laughs> Could you share a quick takeaway for anyone that's listening, like a tip that you learned in the program that they could actually implement like today if they wanted to? Ooh, if they could implement today. Ooh, um, <laughs> that's a lot of pressure. I mean, honestly. Maybe like a bookkeeping tip, a cash flow tip, a business like yeah, tip. Cash, cash flow wise, I would say 
just to get started on that. And um, I, am I allowed to mention the book that I read? Can I? Sure. Okay. <laughs> I just don't want to like copyright infringe anybody here. I'm so sensitive to so much now. Um, <laughs> but, um, but I read um, Mike Michalowicz's book, Profit First, uh, around this time last year. And it took me essentially a full year to really be in a place where I'm comfortable with it. And, and there are still things that, you know, I'm learning and things that I need to change. And anyway, but I would say if anything to pick that book up and read it and get familiar with it. Um, and Braden's cash flow tips draw from the same type of principles. Um, so if that's something you're interested in learning more about in a practical way, I obviously strongly recommend signing up for Unfuck Your Biz. Uh, <laughs> I was going okay, to just be to go sign up your, <laughs> to just get on your mailing list and sign up for the next round. That's my tip. That's what, okay, that's what everyone keeps saying on these student spotlights. <laughs> and I have to keep giving the caveat that I'm like not telling you guys today. No, super not. And honestly, like we, you know, we chatted on the phone last week and, um, you know, and Braden was asking me about like, what did you, you know, get from the course and everything. And I really, he did not ask me to say this. I genuinely really believe in the benefit of it and the value of it. And, um, and that again, I went into it just wanting one little piece of what he was offering. And, you know, I already paid another attorney to update one of my contracts and I had, you know, consulted an employment attorney to get all of my employee stuff together. And I just didn't think that I needed all the resources Braden was offering. And the, level of understanding I have about how my business operates now. Again, I'm embarrassed that I didn't know this before. <laughs> as a business owner, as like a boss, like you think you, you know, you, you feel really empowered to like know what's going on in your business. And when you don't know what's going on in your business, in terms of money, in terms of uh, legal uh, structure, in terms of legal entities, taxes, all the things, it's really stressful because you don't understand what's going on and you don't understand what you should be doing. And what Braden's program did for me was give me a lot of background on things I thought I knew enough about, which yeah, maybe I knew enough to get by, but I wasn't in a place where I felt comfortable and confident with the information that I had. So now I'm in a place where again, I feel like I'm running my business instead of my business running me which is such, such a cliche. I can't believe I just said that, but it's, but it's true. It's a genuine, a genuine sentiment on my part that uh, I really feel like I'm in control of what's happening. Um, again, in really a variety of different avenues, legally and financially, which are again, two big areas that you don't, most creatives don't get into business to, uh, to master those areas. Um, but they're still very, very important. Um, for having a, a total grip on your business. So that's where I'm at. Love it. Yeah, I always share, I always share that my goal for all of my students is to eventually scale their business into an S-Corp. I want everyone to be profitable right. enough to do that mm -hmm. within a few years. And then from there to eventually become profitable enough that you can hire an outside CFO, an accountant, a tax preparer. And that once you do that, you're able to call them and say, hey, I got a new big client, let's adjust my allocation percentage. And we're also going to need to change the tax percentage. And I know that I'm spending this much on a deduction so we can adjust this percentage. Just being educated enough not to always have to do everything on your own, right. but to be able to know who you should hire and what strings need to be pulled. Exactly. Because I think it's a terrifying idea to just... <laughs> 
I don't know if you watch Shit's Creek at all. Uh, yeah, we just finished <laughs> watching it. But I, I'm re-watching it right now, and I just saw the first episode, and, you know, they have their tax guy who was supposed to be paying their taxes for them, and that's why their house gets repossessed, because he wasn't paying taxes for them, because they were just like, well, we were paying him to do it. We don't know what he was doing. And anyway, I just think about that, then it's like, that ignorance isn't going to save you if you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. Um, and, and again, you know, I trust my accountant because it's my mom. So that's, I have, I have a leg up there in terms of like, you know, trusting somebody, but yeah, but the ability to understand, even if you do have to outsource those tasks, which again, if you're successful and doing well, you should ultimately be outsourcing a lot of different things so that you can continue to, you know, be the, be the brains and the, um, the push behind your business for, for new creative things. Um, but being able to know what those people that you're hiring should be doing and having that basic understanding of, of what their job is instead of just saying, well, I don't know what's going on with my finances, so I better hire someone who does. That's, I mean, that's a lot of blind trust there that, that I think, you know, that's a big risk. And, and if there's anything I've learned from the last few months, it's uh, my tolerance for risks. So <laughs> Yeah, it's funny. It's funny. People say that all the people say that all the time. They're like, "Well, I don't really know, so I'll just hire someone else to do it." Oh yeah, to well, me, and that was me. Well, again, yeah. I mean, literally, that's what I was going to do for you. I was like, "I don't know what's going on with the LLC. Can I hire you? And you'll do it for me. Great, and just take care of it. Tell me it's done. Hooray!" And then you were basically like, "No, why don't I hold handhold you and walk you through it, and you can see how it's done?" And I was like, "No, I guess okay." And then you did, and here I am, and I'm so grateful. So, yeah, it's like yeah. a photographer would never say, I really love taking photos, but I don't really want to learn how to use editing software, so I'll just pay someone else to do that. Right, exactly. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, your goal should be to outsource your editing at, at some point, but you got to be able to give them direction, at least. Exactly. Goal. Okay. Exactly. So, um, love this. Thanks so much, Emily. Um, just to let everyone know, I've mentioned this on all the student spotlights, but I'm going to keep keep letting everyone know. I created a really fun quiz. Emily, did I tell you about this yet? I can't. I don't think you did. Okay. So I made a really, really fun quiz, which is titled, which UFYB alum are you? So there are, I think, eight results. Oh, you did tell me about this. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Answer. With me right now, I got scared. Oh, no, no, no. Um, (laughs) You just answer the four questions and then it will tell you which alum you are. So if you get Emily, you can tag her on Instagram and let her know that you are twin but the goal, awesome. yeah, the goal of the quiz is really to assess like what your roadblocks are and what you need help with now, and then to match you with a student who's already gone through the program so that you can see what they got out of it and how it was helpful. And then obviously, hopefully see how it would be helpful for you. So you can check that out at bradendrake.com forward slash quiz. I would also love for you to join me at my upcoming free masterclass. So in the masterclass, I'll give you all the details about the next round for Unfuck Your Biz and how you can sign up. Um, But more importantly, through the beginning and the majority of the masterclass, we're gonna be talking about how you can save for taxes and manage your own cash flow without the stress and the overwhelm. I will give you my step-by-step system by walking through the Worry No More Money Roadmap. So it's gonna be very fun. You can sign up at bradendrake.com forward slash masterclass. As always, if you forgot all those, all those links or want to connect with Emily, you can find the show notes at unfuckyourbiz.com. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. I will be back here on the podcast in just a couple short days. Have a good one. 
Hey there, before you go, I wanted to give a quick thanks. Thanks so much for tuning into the show. If you loved it, I would love for you to take a screenshot of the episode or snap a quick selfie while you are listening. Share it on social and give me a tag. It'll help other kick-ass entrepreneurs like yourself find the show. That's it for today. I'll be back soon with a new episode. Meanwhile, let's roll up our sleeves and unfuck that biz.